Hola, John Schuler. <laughs> Hello, Brandon. How's it going, buddy? Como esta? Uh, I'd love to tell you how fluent. I have difficulty with my own language, man. <laughs> <laughs> As you very well know and yeah. correct me often. Yeah. <clears throat> but that's all right. Fluition. Comes to fluition. Damn what? Right, man. It's, like it's a word. It's a, it's a mood point. Yeah. It's no. a mute point. It's a mute. It's a mute. I, I've gone to mute now. Oh. O-O-D. It's a, it's a mood. Mood hey, point. You're getting closer. Just put a T and it's mute. How's it going this week? Good, man. You know what? This has been a pretty quiet week for things, hasn't it? Well, for Kodiak, I mean, in my personal life, I've been looking at properties in Wichita. And mm-hmm. on Sunday, we got the bright idea, hey, let's drive up there and take a look at a house that just came on the market with a newborn baby and two toddlers. And it's four and a half hours there, four and a half hours back, if I'm going 85 and not stopping, right? But with kids, it's a whole different thing. So it ended up being 15 hours straight of driving last Sunday in a minivan with a newborn baby and two toddlers, 15 hours, bananas. It was totally Clark Griswold, National Lampoons, 100%. But. <laughs> Did you bring games and snacks and the whole nine yards? Uh, you know. What we do end up doing, though, is we put on Spotify on uh, all the Disney hits. So I get to listen to oh, Frozen and Snow White <laughs> and all these all these songs going down the road. So, yeah, uh, right it's a lot on. of fun. Uh, but, nice. yeah, as far as Kodiak goes, yeah, it's been a, a pretty, um, you know, low-key week. I've had a few questions come in. I'll hit those real quick. Um, number one is Mixtemp. Somebody, actually two people lately have confused mixed temp with water temp and they check their water and they think, Oh, I'm good because my water is 60 degrees. I'm good. No, 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 no. Still use 20% ice, 20% ice. Yeah. Replace 20% of your water. I don't care what the temperature is with 20% ice, mix your mix after it slakes for 10 minutes, mix it again. And right before you cast it, take a digital thermometer or an infrared thermometer. You can get them at Walmart. You can get them at AutoZone. Check the temp. You want it to be 55 to 60 degrees Fahrenheit. That's where you want it to be at that moment after it's slaked right before you cast. If your water is 60 degrees, you're going to be 75, 80 degrees when you're done mixing because the, the mix heats up with the mixing action, all the friction that's created. So you want to ice your water. And if 20% ice isn't getting you there, let's say you're 65, 70 degrees, well, next time around, do 30% ice and keep pumping it up on every subsequent mix until you find that zone. And then you just, you know, through the year, as temperatures go up, as temperatures go down, you monitor and you make adjustments. But start at 20%. That's a good starting point. Well, that's a good time to go over this again because seasons are changing, temperatures are changing. I know we've talked about it in past podcasts, and I've talked a lot, a lot about it at the uh, design school workshops. I have a chest freezer, an oversized chest freezer, because in my shop during the summertime, like today, uh, which clearly isn't summertime, but we're going to see probably 103 degrees today. So, you know, this morning I was down there, just a small cast, but it was, you know, it's already 90 degrees in the shop, which means my bag materials in the shop are 90 degrees. So, you know, I pull water and go for ice. Yeah, I would be up somewhere around 50% ice. Or, you know, I put some, I have bags in the chest freezer. 
So I'll pull one out or, you know, blend with a second one. So that's a backup plan too. I know people in smaller shops would have a difficulty with that, but either way, how to be consistent. We've talked about this so many times. Watch your mix temp, mix temp. However amount of ice it takes to hit those magical numbers is what it takes. There are times, and we've talked about it before, we want we put in a hundred percent ice, right? In Australia. Yeah. And that's what it took. That's what it took. Yeah. So to to hit those magic numbers, 50, 55 degrees, that's the zone you want to be in. That's you know, so your water is gonna be pretty cold. No question about it. Yeah. Another thing is, and people are worried about it, and I used to be worried about it. People are putting blocks of ice in a cooler of water and dipping cold water out. That's not gonna do it. I used to do that. Mm, no. So back in the day when John's like, hey, bro, this is like 15 years ago, 17 years ago, 20 years ago. I don't know. It was a long time ago. John's like, hey, you should, because I was in Arizona, you should uh, replace a portion of your water with ice. I'm like, no, dude, it's not going to melt. It's going to leave holes all in my concrete. (laughs) No, no, it'll melt. I'm like, no, it's not going to melt. So I would take blocks of ice, put it in a cooler, dip out of that. The water was cold. But my mix never got in that 55 degree range because that water was cold, but it wasn't cold enough to cool the mix. So it's not water temperature, it's mixed temperature after slaking. Right. The only way you're going to do it is if you replace a portion of your water with ice. Now, don't be mixing. You know, you weigh out, let's say, six pounds of water and you replace 20% with ice. So 1.2 pounds ice, 5.8 pounds or 4.8 pounds water. And you go and mix it up and you're like, oh, well, it's 65 degrees. I'm going to throw more ice in. No, 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 no. Now you're putting too much water in your mix. Right. So that mix, it is what it is. Make a note, next mix, do 30% Just ice. moving forward. So yeah. 1.8 pounds of ice, approximately. Go two. It's not going to hurt anything. And then re- the rest with water. What I do is I take a bucket, I tear it, so I zero the bucket. I put in approximately how much ice I need. Eh, let's put two pounds in. And I take the hose and I keep filling it up with water until it hits six pounds. Done. There you go. That's six pounds of H2O weighed out. And that's how I do it. But... You, your ice will melt. I promise it'll melt. I have done tons of ice in a mix and, uh, I might have like one little piece, one little piece that had melted after it slaked and I mix and I'll just take that little piece out and throw it away. Like throw it on the floor. Who cares? Yeah. No, it'll pop right up. Exactly. Yeah. Like a buoy. It'll come right up. Yeah. So ice your mix. So that individual, did they end up what I call chasing the mix? You know, trying to add more plasticizer at the end or, hey, Brandon, this, you know, I know you guys said it had like 90 minutes or so of working time. Man, this stuff goes off like a rocket. Did he, any of those kind of conversations when he hit you on it? Yeah. Because I imagine he had to chase that mix pretty quickly at at those temperatures. Well, there's a few things with this, this one person. He's having some problems. First problem was he's having pinholes. Mm. So pinners was number one. And it was because the mix was too warm. Air wasn't able to work its yeah. way out. Uh, the Correct. second thing was he was using uh, an acrylic caulk instead of silicone caulk to mm. seal his corners of his mold. And um, I told him, you know, don't don't use that. Uh, use 100% silicone, GE, General Electric, and that's not what it stands for, but maybe it does. I don't know. But GE, Golf Echo, Type 2, 100% silicone is what you want. And... Uh, you know, so he made those adjustments. He hit me back and he's like, dude, it's perfect. No pinners. Everything came out great. But hey, 
I saw on the website you recommend cream of tartar for more working time. Should I do that? No, no. do not do it. You don't need to do it. Do not no. do it. You don't need more working time. Your ice and your mix, right. you're good. The cream yeah, of tartar, the, how that whole thing came about was we had a customer in a hot, hot shop with a hot, hot mixer and hot, hot mix, and ice wasn't enough for him. And so a cream of tartar was what he could do to extend that working time. But 99.9999% of people out there are not going to have that problem. Agreed. Yeah, you don't need it. So no, don't do not do it. Don't fix something that's not broke. If you are icing your mix and now it's coming out perfect and everything's great, keep doing that. Keep doing that. You're, you're, you're heading in the right direction. Yeah, I think ultimately, even when somebody new is moving this direction, I think that's, that's just a fear zone. You know, I, I think they just get afraid of it a little bit. When there's, it's not necessary. I mean, before, you know, if someone really hits the mixed temperatures and does everything the way the instructions say to do them and follows that, you know, 90 minutes is a long time. I mean, it really is. Oh, it's a lifetime. Between, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's amazing when you think like, oh no, I, I, there's no way I, I definitely need more time. If you set a timer and mix up, I don't know, four, but you know, a 120 plus worth, whatever, you know, before you know it, most of us are done start to finish in about probably 40 minutes or so. So, you know, there's, there is plenty of time built into that again, based on the information that's put out there in using the materials. But yeah, you mix that stuff up and you hit 85 degrees and oh yeah, you're going to have probably 15, 20 minutes. Well, I had to pick up my daughter today at 1215. I had to leave my shop at 1215 to go get her from school. At 12, we just started mixing the mix. Like, well, we're, we're flash setting. We're slaking at 12, okay. right? I text my wife, hey, do you need me to go get her? Can you go get her? And she's like, yeah, if you can go get her, that's great. All right, I'll go get her. So we're mixing. We're getting ready to cast a chair. So we're letting it slake. Slakes over, break it up, add the fibers, carry it over, lift up the bucket, pour it. Yep. Done. Done. And I had, I had like five minutes to spare. So <laughs> it goes fast. You don't need 90 minutes, you know? No. You, this stuff goes quick and it consolidates. I, I put out the word. So I'm making a bunch of Muskoka chairs for a client and I posted on Instagram. Hey, if anybody, any clients out there want a Muskoka chair, now's your chance before I start packing up my shop to move it. There's going to be a, a, you know, who knows how long, three months, six month downtime window where I'm not going to be uh, fabricating. And a bunch of orders came in. So now I'm casting more Muskokas. Everyone that I demold is perfect. Perfect, 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 perfect. Mm-hmm. So when people come to the class, the the Pinnacle Concrete Workshop we're having June 20th through 25th, you can see pieces that I made with Buddy Rhodes, GFRC. That was the best mix at the time. I'm not bashing that mix. At that period in time, this mix didn't exist. And that was the best right. one out there. And I was using the best mix I could get my hands on to make the best concrete at that moment in time. But when you look at those chairs... And the surface quality and the air pockets and the pinners and the density and the color and everything else compared to maker mix chairs, it's, it's, you know, totally different sides of the spectrum. It's incredible. So anyways, where I'm going with that is I'm just super excited every day when I come in and I demold another Muskoka. It's like, oh my God, look at this chair. It's insane. Yeah, clean. Hey, something I want to hit you on, John, is, yeah. you know, certain pigments can plasticize mix, right? And yes. my experience, I'm casting a bunch of what I call limestone Muskoka chairs. So I'm adding uh, a, a small amount of stone 
pigment, Kodiak Pro Stone, to make her mix. And the first one we did, I said to Aiden, uh, did you weigh out that plasticizer precisely? He's like, yeah. And you you teared out the, the cup before you did it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the water was spot on? Yeah, spot on. Huh. Looks a little over plasticized. He's like, dude, I promise you. I'm like, okay. So today, I batched everything. I batched the water. I batched the TBP. I batched the pigment. Everything was perfect. Perfect. And the stuff that he batched, I double-checked. It was perfect. Mixed again. Exact same thing. So, John, it yeah. seems that stone has a slight plasticizing effect on the mix, which means I'm going to back down the plasticizer a bit on the next one, maybe 5 or 10% less plasticizer, less TBP to offset that. What are your thoughts on that? No, you're absolutely right. That's why whenever I run testing, I, I think you and I talked about this before, sometimes like, yeah, just mix up the mix and let's just look at it. And I'm like, nah, we always got to add some pla- some pigments to it because those fine particles done the way, or let's say put together in the size ratios that we put them together, they are going to offer a workability. There's no question about it. in this mix. There's no question about it. Now, couple that with the things we can't control. So I'm going to throw it out there. What was the humidity today out there? I've always found that these you know, plasticizers and stuff increase strength in with higher humidities and, as we've all described, and lower temperatures, meaning lower temperatures of the mix, not lower temperatures of the day. Yeah, humidity today is 79%. I'm looking on Yeah, weather. there you go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there you go. See, I, everything I do out here in California, our humidities, I mean, they stay pretty steady, man. I mean, you know, maybe we might 30s, 45s, maybe 50s, but everything's probably within 20 degrees, plus or minus. So with that, yeah, I, any testing I do from a workability standpoint, plasticizing standpoint, Anything I do, I've always noticed. Then I go back east all the way back to the time when I go back to Georgia and be like, holy crap, did the strengths change? That was my first inclination. But from that point on, no, it just became very obvious. Differences in humidity. In this case, our pigments, yeah, have a combination of particle sizes. Those particle sizes are definitely going to get on board and they're going to increase some amount of workability. Yeah. That's the way it is. Well, so I cast the jet... Muskokas, and those are loaded at a higher loading. So I'll just tell you, I did 3% jet in Maker Mix, no uh, plastization created by the, the pigment, right? Mm-hmm. The mix was perfect. So that was 3% jet. I did a quarter percent stone, and it plasticized it a bit. So yeah. it seems that the, because they're both blends, they're both a, a blend of pigments to make that color. But it seems the stone, the pigments that are in that blend, are having a slight plasticization effect. So anyways, it's just interesting sure. to know, and it's interesting to keep track of that and kind of see the adjustments need to be made. I've used stone quite a bit, but uh, I, I I guess I just wasn't paying attention like I'm paying attention now. So, and it's not dramatic. It's not like it's detrimental or anything like that, but I can just tell because there's a slight, slight foaming on top of the mix when you're letting it slake that you don't mm-hmm. get when it's just straight maker mix or if I'm using Jet, that's dead flat. There's nothing, you know. Yep. But yep. Uh, with the stone, there's a slight, slight amount. Right on, man. Good for you for noticing. See how now you're picking up, not that you haven't for a long time, now you're picking up on all the little nuances. Yeah. And everybody should. I mean, you know, one of the keys to anybody getting used to their materials and then 
making switches or deciding what materials are better or what they're doing, higher quality, you know, is looking at all these or getting used to all these little nuances. Yeah. And this is the time to do it. I mean, when I say time of the year, you know, we're getting into seasonal changes again. So those seasonal changes here, we're talking about mixed temperature and plasticizers loading and workabilities, but also take into account, this was a tech call I got here recently, well, literally yesterday, is modify your curing techniques. What do I mean by that? Well, guys, and I know we've talked about this a lot. Number one, don't, if you're using the heating blankets, which hopefully everybody is, you know, don't leave your heating blankets on high. You know, are the low ambient steam cure temperatures or cure techniques that we always talk about are really, I mean, I don't know how to describe it any better than really about just tucking the concrete in for the night, right? Preventing the concrete from cooling down. And the heating blankets aren't for the concrete, it's for the right. insulation. You have <laughs> packing all, blankets, yes. then right. the heating blanket, and the heating blanket is right. just keeping the packing blankets warm. You're That's not it using it to heat yeah. the concrete. And there could be layers, you know, layers of the packing blankets. So I guess what I'm saying is that that was the thing, that the heating blanket does not go right next to the concrete. That's not the way this is done. You know, bring it up a little bit. It's keeping everything. It's tucking it in. And just at low temps or, excuse, low settings. So one of the calls recently was, number one, his shop temperatures are changing. So, you know, I'm, I'm willing to say you could probably modify your your temp in the blanket or the heating blanket a little bit if it's 40 degrees in your shop. Okay, I get that. But still, it would be a few layers of packing blankets, then your heating blanket, and then some insulation over that. You're still not trying to utilize the heat blanket as a way to kick or, you know, quote unquote, turn on your concrete. That's You're not trying not to what cook the, the concrete. You're not. We're not trying to cook the concrete. It's not a crock pot. And that's... Yeah, that's a mistake he's been making for a while is trying to utilize that. Again, with the idea that, oh, you know, a, even in a higher temperature, which would cook it even better, which would make it stronger. No, actually, it's going to make it weaker. It's going to flash more of the moisture out of the concrete, which is ultimately going to lower your strengths, especially when you're working with a mix that's already utilizing low water cement ratios. Yeah. If you, if you steam out all the moisture, you're just going to make a porous, soft yeah, substrate. Yeah, super soft. Yeah, yeah. You're not going to get the strength out of it that you're looking for. Because it's not creating so, a crystalline growth because you just cooked all the, all the moisture yeah, out before just, it could actually do what yeah, it needs to do. you steamed it all out. Yeah. yeah, you steamed it all out. Um, but no, this is a perfect time of year to talk about that because what, you know, the, the steps that someone's doing in their shop, if their shop's 50 degrees or 60 degrees or whatever it is in the wintertime, you know, now his shop is 95 degrees and maybe sees 70s and 80s at night. So, you know, number one, I backed him off like, no, don't do not. Don't turn your blankets on high. That's crazy town. But second of all, you know, now he's going to work around what times he even turns that blanket on. As an example, he's like, well, John, you know, we're done. We're typically done casting, you know, about four o'clock or so. And I'm like, okay. And then what do you do? Well, an hour, we cover everything up. I turn my blankets on high and I'm like, oh no, man. Like without going into a deep chemistry lesson here, you know, most of our concretes don't kick off general rule six hours post-casting. And that's just the way it is. 
If you kick heat on before that and try to use the heat to kick the concrete off, not only do you run the potentials of, you know, curling your concrete, cracking your concrete, dehydrating your concrete, you know, that, that's not what we're trying to do. The idea, I'm trying to think of like the Hoover Dam. The reality with concrete is, and it's pretty given out there, that a slow cure at ambient temperatures of about 75 degrees, ultimately in the long run, produces the strongest concrete, period. So we're circumventing that a little bit by just tucking it in. But we are not trying to cook the concrete at 250 degrees. <laughs> so if we can trap that moisture, trap the heat, create an ambient steam chamber, you know, blah, all the things we've talked about, and then even that plateau out at, let's say, I don't know, 90 to 110 degrees, letting the natural heat of the concrete do its thing, that's how you achieve your strength. That's how we move from, you know, the old days of casting on Monday, you know, whatever, pulling out of the forms on Thursday, pushing aside in your shop and sealing it two weeks later to now turning things on Monday pull process, start your ceiling on Tuesday, you know, having things hopefully ready to, if you needed to, to install by Thursday or Friday, that's how you do it. But it's not trying to quote unquote, cook your concrete. I hope everybody listening or, or read the things that we posted on the Kodiak or the ICT pages. I, I hope more of that information doesn't get lost like it did with this particular customer. Yeah. And don't make the mistake of thinking, if this is good, more is better. That's always been the kind of the trap that we all fall into, whether it's sealer, whether it's heat with curing, whatever it is. Hey, if this is good, right. what if I double it? Right. It's going to be doubly better. No, it's not. So don't do it. You know, so we have best practices outlined. Do the best practices, whether it's sealing, whether it's curing mixed temp, anything that, that we are telling you, do it at that. If we say 60 degrees is optimal mixed temp, 30 degrees is not better. You don't want to go right. colder, you know? So <laughs> do things yeah. as, as they're specified and you'll have great results. Try to go more extreme in, in different directions and you're going to have detrimental results. Well, and that's, that's what I told him in this case. I'm like, in this case, I mean, due to the fact that they're walking out of the shop so late, you know, I, I'm just kind of putting in my own perspective that that was me wanting to leave the shop at six o'clock and cover everything up, you know, I, I would have added a, an extra layer of packing between the concrete and my heat blanket. And then again, only turn my blink heat blanket on a low setting, low setting, cover it up, walk, come back in the morning, un, uncover things, start my process. Now in his case, I don't know why, but he was very staunch on wanting to leave things in the mold for 48 hours like, okay, then I, man, I'm not here to tell people if you want to, if you, if you somehow feel you need to do that, okay, but don't leave your heat on for 48 hours then go ahead and turn your blanket off and then just let the insulation around the concrete do its thing. You still achieved your plateau and then pull and pro process, I guess at 48 hours, I'm still okay with that. But again, what I'm saying is, you, you know, the same thing, if, if the, you know, let's say 12 to 38, 36 hours of heat that we've talked about to nauseum is really what you need. 
Well, 48 to 52 is not better. Yeah. <laughs> he pushed it too far. Well, I think what it know? is, is he had to do that with previous mixes to get to the strengths he needed because it needed more time. And with Kodiak Pro Maker Mix UHPC cured properly, you don't need that additional time. But he is so, no. so used to that. That's become so much a part of his process that it's scary to not do it because he probably got burned at some point. He popped something. It wasn't quite strong enough. It broke. You know, never again. I'm going to let it set for two days. I learned my lesson. You got to stop treating Kodiak Pro Maker Mix like previous mixes because it's a totally different thing. Well, that's exactly what I told him. And, and I think as more people keep moving this direction, you hit on something very important. In my opinion, very important because that's what most of our tech calls come around. And that is people ready to upgrade their mix and upgrade their business. But their thought process is they're just getting a better material. They also aren't quite thinking that they need to modify their own practices, you know, their own habits. And in this case, his habit. So I modified him around him for best practice, but I am having him run some samples to develop a comfort zone that says you really can pull and process on Tuesday. Yeah. And you really can start your, you know, priming steps on Tuesday. You don't have to wait till Friday. In fact, when the with this mix, when it's let's say greener or fresher, you'll actually get better reactions with the sealer or faster react, whatever we want to call it, better, faster, stronger, sooner than pushing it aside and waiting to seal two weeks later. Yeah. And that's it's I mean, even though someone can like, oh, but John, I'm like, well, wait a minute, man. <laughs> like I guess if we wanted to design something, Brandon and I got together and said, you know what? I've always wanted stuff to, to wait around in my shop for three weeks. Then we would have designed something around the idea that it would sit around for three weeks. But that's not what most of us want to do. So if it's a negative that you can't push it or that, I, that we sit here telling like, no, man, don't push it away side for two weeks and do your ceiling. Start on day two or day three. Um, don't see that as a negative. See where you could modify and find a comfort zone. So he's running some samples. That's what I'm having him do to start feeling more comfortable breaking out of his old habits to see the success and increase his, his success. And that's the reason he moved this direction. Well, people have to upgrade their their methods and their procedures when they upgrade yeah. the mix. You can't do the things you always, the way you always did them and change your mix and expect better results. You're going to end up with mediocre results. You know, I get where he's coming from because ICT of old, moisture content was an Achilles heel. If the concrete was right. too wet, you'd have, it wouldn't, it wouldn't react well. It would turn white. You had all these problems. Right. But with, the, the new, the newest, I say new, it's been out for a year now, but the new version of ICT with Prime, all those problems are no longer. Right. But yeah, it takes people, they got burned. You probably sealed a countertop too soon and it turned white. And he's like, I'm never doing it again. You know? Right. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. And he's been using some topicals. I totally understand. But you see what I'm saying? Um, and still trying to follow his processing steps that he has always done and so, and I get it, man. Sometimes like listening, like when I'm like, 
what do you mean? No, man, you could start that on Tuesday. Oh, bullshit, John. There's no way. I'm so used to waiting, you know, seven or 10 days or whatever the case may be. And I'm like, no. So anyway, in this case, and I hope anybody else listening, run some tests. Here's the deal. You, you, you say to somebody, listen, you can start on Tuesday. And they're like, bullshit. Why is that their response? What benefit does it do to you to steer them in the wrong direction so they fail? Yeah, right. It does nothing good for you. Exactly. Same thing with glass fibers. When I say to people, listen, you can do SEC GFRC direct cast if you're using Maker Mix and if you're using the correct amount of TBP and you're not mm-hmm. vibrating with the vibrators and whatnot that are going to make the fibers drop. But if you do it correctly, you don't, they don't show. Prove right. it. And I'm like, why, do I, why would I lie to you about that? What right. good does it do? I don't even sell glass fiber, bro. I'm just telling you, <laughs> this is what I do in my shop. Yeah. I do it on every client project. I've done it this way. I've done SEC GFRC DirectCast now for, I don't know, 12, 13 years exclusively. I haven't been spraying concrete in a long, long time, but I have no reason to lie about it. There's like no ego boosted like oh i got him again i got another one i tricked him into yeah, right. doing glass yeah. and it showed yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> as you're watch, watching your your uh, stock of saint cobain keep going up i exactly. got another 40 dollar bag sold <laughs> yeah bag just sold. guys uh, we, guys and gals listen we do our best to give you amazingly beneficial information built on success and failure and it's what led us to where we are today and if John or I says this is the way we do it, we're not trying to steer you in the wrong way. We're trying to help you. So th- please don't let your first reaction be bullshit. These guys are lying. They're making it up. No, we're not. We're, we're trying to help you. This is what this is all about. Well, I did have one person who, and it wasn't, he had one, well, at least he showed me a picture of one glass fiber that showed up. And I said, okay, so, you know, tell me what you did. All right, this is what I did. And I'm like, mm, I don't know, man. Are you sure? Did you did you do any vibration? He goes, well, I didn't do any vibration. And I guess because he's thinking like a vibrating table. And I'm like, well, then, you know, did you? He goes, well, no, but, you know, I did do like, <laughs> like beating the drums. So he took a mallet, you know, his double mallets all the way around him and somebody else. I'm like, no, that's vibration, man. You can definitely that's overdo stuff. it. Yeah. yeah, you can definitely overdo it. And then there's no question. So again, even fortunately in his case, it was literally one fiber, one fiber, one little bundle. Okay. Now, but then he backed off from that and, and I get it. See, this is the same, same thing. That's something he was used to doing. That's his standard practice to run, you know, the mallets like, you know, whatever, like he's in a rock band, yeah, don't you know, do that. Um, just tap doing his tap. thing. Lightly yeah, tapped. so that's that's what he was used to doing, and you know what I mean. For whatever reason, I know you, you you've been in your shop now for however many years. This is your zone. These are your steps. This is what you're used to, and then they come along and say, "Okay, quit doing that." Well, that makes a lot of habits that have to be broken. So in this case, then he ran a second cast. He did not, and I think part of the fear was just that that. Maybe the air wouldn't be removed or, or something like that. So he went ahead and did his vibration, but then he, he backed it off on the second one and, you know, lo and behold, no issues whatsoever. I, so vibration, I have high frequency vibrators, I have low frequency vibrators, and I really don't use either of them anymore. So high frequency was used with old OPC, ordinarily por- ordinary Portland cement mixes, the, you know, quick and sand and... 
aggregate, you mix it together. And that was when we were doing like three inch with steel rebar. We'd use high frequency to get a, to consolidate. I was telling Aiden today, Aiden's my, my sidekick here in the shop. We were pouring the chair that I had to pour before I went to go get my daughter. And I told him, dude, I, when I was just getting started, this was, you know, I dream of a mix like this. It just wasn't possible. We had to put in really thick concrete with plasticizer, but it's still really thick and then vibrate at a high frequency to get it to consolidate and get the air to come out, right? But this, we're just pouring it in. Just pour it in. There it goes. It's insane. <laughs> just pour it in. Yeah. It's almost ridiculous when you think about it. It's you know what I mean? Incredible. Seriously. But, yeah. you know, I have low frequency vibrators too. They're using the pharmaceutical industry to move pills down conveyors and things like that. It's a very low amplitude. Click, 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 click. And now that's what I used to use with Buddy Rhodes mix because it wouldn't get the fibers to drop out of suspension, but it was tapping tapping and now i'd attach those are pneumatic they're they're air powered i'd attach those different parts of my form and they'd go tap 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 and i'd be filling it up and they they did better than nothing they did better than than no vibration but with maker mix you don't need either of those so both of them just sit on my shelf i don't use either of them i do use a rubber mallet on my um muskoka chair it's a really deep form like three feet or so maybe a little bit more one inch thick it's you know this super deep vertical backrest and we're pouring it upside down and so it's a lot of surface area for that and it angles back so the air comes up and hits it and then it's even more resistance to coming out because it's angling back so it has resistance to that and so i'll lightly when i say lightly it's like tap 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 with a rubber mallet and all i'm wanting to do is just help that air to find its way out right it's not to get it to release out of the concrete that's what i'm trying to do at all i'm just trying there's gonna be some resistance on that form the texture of the form, the release that I sprayed, that dried, that's creating some resistance. And that air is going to hit it. It's just going to kind of hold. I'm just going to tap, 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 and just kind of let it find its way out. That's all I'm doing. But yeah, if I was like playing the drums, rock band, no, 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 no. That's way too high of amplitude of vibration and the glass fiber will want to settle. The other thing I say is, and it's happened to me, is I'll go to pour and there was a glass fiber that was on the bucket or on my little container I'm dipping out. That was, you know, when we we're mixing a glass fiber, just a stray fiber landed over here. And that fiber, if it lands on the surface of your form, a lot of times will stay there when you cast. So you'll pour over it and it just gets pressed down and there it is. And that could have happened with him. There could have been a stray yeah. fiber on the edge of his mix bucket that when he went to go pour it, it fell in. He didn't see it. And then the mix... Uh, no, good over. point. You know what? I didn't even think about that, to be honest with you. Especially because it's literally, one fiber. One fiber kind of makes me think yeah. that a fiber fell in because it's happened to me numerous times over 20 years where I've had that happen. I saw it fall in. I thought, oh, you know, this mix is going to get pushed around. It's not going to show up. Flip it over. There it is. There it is right there. Right. So it happens. It happens. Well, one of the things, I think in the next couple of weeks, I was thinking about just that. I mean, as as... I don't get it that often, but referring to the person who talked to me about, again, the he's used to a certain amount of days, pushing his pieces aside. Like, then he was calling me. He's like, well, I've had this one piece. It's like two and a half weeks old, and it's ready to start sealing. And you're and like, oh. I'm going, oh, oh man, <laughs> two and a half weeks old. Are you serious? Throw it away. Like, you know? Uh. Yeah. So, you know, I was telling him how to, you know, increase his soaking and do these kind of things. But that being said... Yeah, I was I was thinking about doing something like that where again on the Kodiak page, the ICT page, cast something, you know, maybe cast a couple three pieces the way we describe, 
again, you know, I'll probably do it SEC even or upright. I mean, it doesn't matter. But seal one like literally the next day, wait a week, you know, and, and then wait two weeks. And then, uh, you know, I guess in a way show people, you know, what the differences become and why we designed it this way. I mean, why these were put into practice like this to be more efficient. And this is coming from, you know, A, the chemists around it and B, the guys working in the shop. I mean, there's no way I could have stuff waiting around for two weeks for me to seal it. Back in the day, the old ICT, old ICT, everybody listen, old ICT, not new ICT, old ICT, you had to have a moisture content below like two and a half percent of your, right. of your moisture content in your concrete. And so we'd all buy moisture meters. I have one. I don't know. Yep, the Tramex. Like uh-huh. 600 bucks, 800 bucks, whatever they cost. I don't know. But in my opinion. <laughs> now they're probably two grand because you can't find, they only come from wherever they're being made on a single boat that's sitting in the ocean. Sorry. That's okay. But. <laughs> I bought one because, in my opinion, remaking one piece was worth the 500 bucks or whatever it was. If I could save myself from having to remake one piece, it was worth the cost. And so that's why I invested in one. So I checked every piece. I demold, I let it set, and when it got to 2.5% or less, I would seal. And that wasn't two weeks. That was typically three, four days, right? It would Mm -hmm. be a little bit longer on cool, humid days, but typically two or three days. A lot of people just for whatever reason, didn't want to invest in a moisture meter. I don't need it. I'll let it set for two weeks. Okay, well, number one, you weren't guaranteed to get 2.5% in two weeks. Unless you know, you don't know. And so then they'd have a problem. Well, did you check the moisture content? No, I didn't check the moisture content. But I let it set for two weeks. Well, it doesn't mean anything, bro. You didn't check the moisture content. But I think a lot of people got into that workflow of, for safety, I'm going to let it set for two weeks. And then they get used to it. Mm -hmm. But I remember that time, and everybody's complaint was, it was taking too long to get on the sealer. Right. They demold, and I got to let it set for a week. Oh, I got projects backing up. I got to install stuff. I can't wait for a week, blah, blah, blah. And now here we are. Seal it the same day. You're doing upright <laughs> cast. You can start yeah. sealing like an yeah. hour after you're done troweling. The day of. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And people are like, oh, that sounds horrible. I want to let it set for two weeks. Uh, no matter what it is. No matter what it is. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, man. It's funny. But I get it. You know, I've done this long enough and been on the, you know, the designing in the sealers and the whole nine yards. But so I find that, and I've said this before, throughout the designing process and the using process and the, you know, putting it in people's homes, I've modified my techniques along the way because I've been part of it. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like growing with your children or, you know, uh, being in a marriage long enough and you move with it. But other people who just come on board, that, I think that's one of the things that becomes a difficulty is realizing don't just come on board and buy the materials because, you know, the materials are by far heads and tails above anything else being offered. But you're going to need to improve your techniques as well, or maybe not the word improve, modify, break your old habits, get those old habits off the table, you know, follow some of these, feel uncomfortable to begin with. Meaning again, if your comfort zone is two weeks, well, I want you to feel really uncomfortable doing it at 48 hours, you know, until you become comfortable with it. And then that becomes your new habit. That's, that's the way it should be. Absolutely. 
Anything else, John? No, you know, I think I hit it. Uh, so I'm just going to emphasize it again. The seasons are changing. Everybody, the seasons are changing. So these are the times to really start, again, looking at your techniques, paying attention to your mix temperature, paying attention to your, your shop temperature and your curing. Um, you know, don't leave sealer in the sun. Don't put it in your truck and drive it around, leave it in there for a week. And then call me up going, Hey John, it's been in my shop at a, you know, in my truck for 140 degrees. What do you think? Cause I'm going to be like, yeah, I'd order some more sealer. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Watch your seasons. That's my number one for today. That's what all my tech support for the last week or so has been around. Yeah. Well, the the last thing, it's not tech support, but it's it's uh, a potential customer we're talking to right now that uh, is evaluating change in mixes. He's a large production shop, but yeah. he was looking at a mix from another company and kind of asking, you know, like, you know, the price I got is this and you guys are triple the price and blah, blah, blah. The long short of it is you're not comparing apples to apples. You're comparing a super simple, for anybody out there looking, for the most part, most of these bag mixes are a super simple cement, sand, maybe powdered polymer, maybe defoamer. Maybe not. Yeah. And that's mm -hmm. it. That's it. So if you're looking at that and you're like, yeah, you know, well, they say it's UHPC or I talked to the salesman. He said it's the exact same thing that those guys are doing. No, it's not. No, it's not. The best thing you can do, call Joe Bates. Get a sample kit. He sells sample kits. He's going to be putting together mini pallets soon of five bags, 10 bags, 20 bags, whatever. Get mixed to test and see for yourself. And then you'll know, oh, okay, I see. I don't care what their sales guy said. This is obviously a very, very different product. And then, you know, you'll understand why the price disparity is what it is. Because it's not that we're tripling the price and John and I are, you know, making tons and tons of money on this is that this mix is extremely advanced, has a lot of ingredients, and is a much more expensive mix to manufacture because of what goes into it. If it's just cement, sand, and a right. powder polymer, we'd be happy to, to be at the same price point of those you know, lower quality mixes. And those lower quality mixes are, are fine for a lot of things. Sure. But yeah. if, if it's your livelihood, yeah, they'll still get hard. <laughs> you know, yeah. If you need to make, I don't know, sewer pipe or a urinal or... <laughs> <laughs> anything that poop's going to be in, then you're going to be okay. Or pee, because it's urinal. It'll, it'll hold the post up. So, some bars, right? urinals have poop in them. I've been to bars, and I saw turd in a urinal once, but uh, I always wondered, like, how did that happen? But I know how it happened. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, if you're doing this for a living, and you're doing this to build a legacy, and to build a reputation for being the best, and to create the best products for your clients, they're going to have the longest use as far as like staining resistance, scratching resistance, just day in, day out use and abuse, you know, something that's going to stand the test of time, then you want to use the best product. And if we're comparing other bagged mixes, which almost universally are, are very similar to each other versus what we're doing, they're not the same thing. John and I were talking last week when we were talking to this customer and uh, John's like, yeah, dude, it, he's like, it's like a, a Corolla and a Ferrari or something like that. What'd you say? I don't remember, but you know, again, it's like, yeah, you're, they both comparing something that moves you and then you go, well, I just looking for something with four wheels. Again, I mean, we're, we're, there's, it's just not in the same class. They're both people movers, but one's a skateboard and one's a truck. I mean, I, I don't understand, but, and not that he, not that he didn't understand. 
he totally did yeah. understand this that, customer did this but, customer said but a lot of people don't a lot of people yeah, are just like but a lot of people don't yeah they're just like well on their marketing it says uhpc right well yeah i mean there's there's right there's super products out there too that you just add a few pounds of this to it and it turned it from your basic sand cement into a UHPC or an ECC or whatever yeah. acronym that comes up with RPC. Yeah. And it, you know, you only have to do that, but putting a couple pounds of this in it. Well, of course, of course, of course. Why, why wouldn't <laughs> yeah. I use that? Jeez, my goodness. Yeah. All these crazy, you know, multi-billion dollar companies with their internal chemists and the whole nine yards and, all you needed to do is add a couple pounds of something. This stuff. Yeah. yeah. So uh, where I was anyway. going with that is, I hope I hope he comes on board. He's a really good guy. He's been in a lot of classes. Uh, yes. I, I like him a lot, and I, his company does amazing stuff. I hope he makes a switch over to to either Maker Mix or Rad Mix if he wants to still have his own cement sand, but use Rad Mix to upgrade his. Oh, product. I think he's going to. I mean, the the last conversations we had when I was trying to bring him up to speed uh, of what these other materials were that were being offered to him. He can have something like that toll blended like in his backyard. Yeah. I mean, where he lives are some toll blenders right there. So, you know, he can have complete control over his sand ratio. In other words, he's not leaving it up to somebody else. He can have it done right then and there. And in this case, which for him, he's a, it's a huge company. So having pre-blended materials, which he's seen that light of day, um, cuts the batching. You know what I mean? No mm -hmm. more of this having what, I don't know what his employees cost, but anyway, you know, why are we batching at eight, 10, 15? I think he, he's running 12 cubic foot batches at a time, <clears throat> but yeah, why, why is that being batched? Let a toll blender batch that for you. And in this case, yeah, we'll just supplement. We'll, I'm going to try to work him around 30-pound bags of rad mix with the same idea. Add X amount of full bags to X amount of your pre-blended materials, and wham, bam, there you go. Well, hopefully he doesn't hear about the super product where he can only add like two pounds, and it'll be the same I thing. I know, right? We, <laughs> now we let that secret out. Don't tell anybody. If you're listening. Yeah. You didn't hear us say that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Other news. We have the Pinnacle Concrete Camp, the last one at my shop in Eureka Springs, Arkansas, coming up June 20th to the 25th. We're 13 people now, 14 people registered. We cap it at 20. So if you are thinking about coming, get in on that workshop. Go to ConcreteDesignSchool.com, sign up six days. John Schuler, Dusty Baker, Brandon Gore, GFRC, ECC, UHPC, Upright Casting, Dusty Crete, Fabric Forming, SEC, GFRC with me, because that's what I love to do, how to seal, sales and marketing, all that kind of good stuff. And you're going to have a great time in Eureka Springs in the middle of summertime. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're close to selling out. We're, we're three quarters of the way full now. So if you want to get in, get in on that. That's coming up pretty soon. It's coming up in uh, three and a half weeks. Yeah, it's right around the corner. It's right mm -hmm. around the corner. And if you are registered and you're listening, do me a favor, sign up for your flight in your hotel sooner than later because it's sounding like town's pretty busy, you know, with COVID and everybody kind of being over it. Everybody's traveling this summer. So get your hotel reservations and your flights booked sooner than later. Uh, so there's that. This will be probably, this will be the last podcast where we talk about the Upgrade Your Concrete Mix, Upgrade Your Business promotion. Yep. 
where you shoot a short video, you tell us why you made the switch to Kodiak Pro, what specifically is better about the mix and how has it improved your business. And we'll discount your next palette of Maker Mix or Rad Mix $250. So we'll knock $250 off. Uh, but this expires June 1st. So by next week, this will be expired. We've had two people do it. We had one, I haven't even posted the video yet, but they sent me the video last week. I was just week. gonna ask you that. I was actually looking for it. I'll post yeah, it today. you haven't posted today. them yet. Yeah, I'll post it today. They, they sent it to me via Google Drive and I had to get on my laptop to download it. So anyways, I downloaded it, I have it, and I'll post it to our social media. But this will be your last week. And so if you wanna do it, great, please do it. If not, eh, I get it. But uh, $250, $250, and you know, we'd love to, to see your video. So there's that. Anything else? No, I don't think so. I mean, I was thinking all tech support, but I think I am going to do that. I'm going to cast some stuff. I might even try it. I mean, what's a three day weekend this weekend? I might, you know, cast and turn some stuff around and show the differences in time in sealer reactions, just so people can see it, you know, see why we're talking about it from this point of view. So that might be interesting. Awesome. Well, on that note, John, I got to get to work. All right, buddy. Well, good talking to you. I'm going to end this the way I started it. Adios, amigo. Muchas gracias. (laughs) (laughs) Until next time. All right, buddy. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye.